remember I, I may have done that one or two times in my 30 years. I don't know, maybe four or five times, maybe in 30 years. But the point being is that having people that hear and, and trusting in a God that hears and sees. How many of you know if you're seeking Him, you're going to find the right direction? And what's Proverbs says? It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, acknowledge Him in all your ways. Lean not to your understanding. Lean not to your own understanding, but acknowledge Him in all your ways. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and He will direct your path. He will direct your path. Everybody look at me. Okay, if you ask me for directions to the mall, you've never been here. And I said, what would be required for you to, to understand what I just said? What's that? What's that? Okay, what's this? I'm pointing. Have I said anything? No. So what do you do? Now, if I'm standing, hold on a minute. Now, Clint, you can, you, you're okay. Stay right there. Okay. Go that way. Why did you ask that question? You can't see me. You know why? Because you're not near to me. I want to talk to you today about drawing near to worship and drawing near to hear. You see, if he is your Lord, Jesus said, my sheep, what? They hear my voice. I'm known by them and they're known by me. We have a relationship. It's all about relationship. Turn around and tell somebody, it's all about relationship. It's not about religion. It's not about religion. Now, there is a pure religion. The Bible says pure religion, undefiled before God and the Father is this. You take care of the widows, take care of the orphans. In other words, it's a relationship type religion. God didn't just call us to come in here and, and uh, do some religious thing, whether it's baptized, baptism is important, all, all these things, but we don't come and join a religion. We come and we are joined to the Father's house by our relationship with Him through faith in Christ who was the one that was sent to take away our sins in order to bring us in without condemnation to the Father's house who's holy. You understand that? Everybody get that? Anybody thinking about it? Two people are thinking about it. How many of you have lost you already? <laughs> the Father wants us to draw near to Him. Because he wants to speak to us. Yeah. Yeah. He wants to give us direction. He wants to guide us. Thank you, he wants to instruct us. I shared with somebody just on the phone this last week that had a devastating thing. Devastating thing happened in their whole entire life. Looks like it's just been spun off of the, uh, the wheel of life. And they don't even know where they're at at this point And what's going on or what's going to happen tomorrow. I mean, it's the whole their whole family has been put in a place of, my God, you know, it's, it, it looks like they've just, it would be like the plane engines going out and you're jumping out of a plane and find out they don't have any parachutes on there. <laughs> it's that kind of a situation. And there's no way out of it outside of a miracle from God. And how many of you know that you might be tempted to panic at that situation? Hold your hand up. You say, I've been there. And I think I know what that's all about. Of course, we're, we're human beings. But the reason why the scripture says in Proverbs, lean not to your understanding, is because we think in the natural, but God see, he, he is who? He is the all-sufficient one. He is the all-powerful one. He is the almighty one. And don't ever forget this. Everybody say, he's the all-merciful one. 
He's all merciful. He's loving. He says, come unto me, all you the heavy laden, and I will give you rest, right? Whosoever will, let him come unto me. Whosoever will. Think about the mercies of God. He's speaking about that to people even uh, in the book of Acts. We find out that, they, uh, that they, that was even happening in Jerusalem from the very people that crucified him. He's hanging on the cross saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Why is he doing that? So he can take sin out of the way in order that we can come in and find rest for our soul, our heart, our mind, our emotions. We need to be at peace. Jesus came as the Prince of Peace. He comes to give us peace. But we've got to come to him or come through him to find peace that God gives and God alone gives. Amen. He conquered hell. He conquered death. He conquered the grave. Amen. He took the law. Now, we talked about this Wednesday night, I think it was. He took the, the, the uh, Mike, what is it? Not civil, uh, ceremonial law. You know, certain days and feasts and pigeon doves and calves for this and a, and a sheep for this and a lamb for this and a one-year-old man. He took all that out of the way that we might come before him knowing that all the sacrifices have been. When Jesus hung on the cross, he said, it is finished. He meant everything that was required has already been finished on God's end. To take the law out of the way that he might have a new covenant, a new will. The, the new covenant with, with man is a love covenant. It's a love God. God so loved the world, John 3, 16, God so loved the world. Not that God so judged the world and found us right. Not that God so, it's God so loved. Everything that came out of God was love because God is love. Everything that he does, is if he heals you, it's because he loves you. If he, when he provides for you, it's because he loves you. He loved you before you were created. He, he left, Right? Sure he did. It was love that created the, the grass for the cows to eat. It was love that created the flowers for you and I to look at and the bees to land on and pollinate. It was love that created the blue skies, the green grass, the white fluffy clouds. It was God. That, it was love that created the rain that's needed. Everything that we have here, they're looking for it to be on Mars. You're from Mars if you're looking to Mars to supply your needs. It's God that creates the planets in the heavens who loved us and created a place for us, just like in the Spirit, God has created a place for us where all of our needs are met. There's going to be a new heaven, a new earth. Jesus said it. Behold, I come quickly and my rewards are with me. They're in my hands in the book of Revelations. God says in Jeremiah 29, 11, and I'm just leading up to what I'm going to minister to you today, but I'm trying to build a, a place here of understanding. How many of you know if you don't have understanding that you fear the Lord in a, in a non, uh, in the wrong way? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. It means to respect God, to have reverence for God. How many of you know, you, how many of you know anything about electricity? Anybody know anything about electricity? Okay. How many of you know electricity can hurt you? Okay. You have, everybody said you have to know how to handle it. And, and so you have a healthy respect for electricity. But we all, we all know that electricity can be good, right? And so there, there, God, is, God is not a... Uh, we do know that there is a wrath of God. There is the wrath of God. And the scripture says that God is going to, the wrath of God is going to be poured out on those that love the pleasures of sin rather than loving God. We understand all that. But God wants us to come to him knowing that he's taken sin out of the way. And love has made a way. Love became the way. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God, John chapter 1. And the word, God himself, became flesh. God is a spirit, but he became flesh. A spirit of God dwelt inside a fleshly body, the body of Christ Jesus. He dwelt upon the earth, and nobody recognized him as God. He, he stilled the waters. He calmed the seas. Amen. The rain stopped. The storm ceased. He raised people from the dead. Who is this? 
Who is this that even the winds and the, the waves obey him? It's El Shaddai. El Elyon. It's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's the God of heaven and earth. He's, he's God. And God is trying to, he sent a love letter to us in the word of God and through Jesus to say, I love you. My mercy is being shown to you. I'm being kind to you the way that love does. You didn't deserve my kindness, but I gave it to you because I love. Because I am love. And God has put that same love in us. Now, you got to get this before I get started because you're not going to get this unless you get this. The love of God bids us to draw near to him even when we're sinners. I was thinking as I was sitting here this morning just praying and going into this, and, and the Lord reminded me of the, the uh, drawing near to God. Sometimes it's the law, thou shalt not. You know what I'm talking about? And the thou shalt, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. And we know that the wealthy man, the rich man, that says, how can I get into heaven? He says, well, keep the commandments. He says, which one, Lord? He said, you know the commandments. Love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And he goes through about four or five of them. He says, and the rest of them, you know. He said, oh, I've done every, every, that ever since I was a kid. And then the rich man, uh, 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 Jesus said, well, there's one. He looked at him with great compassion. Why? Because he said, I see you're really trying to please the Lord. With the works of your flesh. But the truth is, we cannot please God unless we have faith towards God that he is the one that saves. You see, the name of Jesus, Yeshua, means that, that Yah, Yah, Y-A-H, or Y-H-W-H, Yahweh, saves. How does he save? Through love, through mercy, through kindness, and through the sacrifice of his own son. God so loved, his, loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that everybody, amen, amen. who believed on him would not perish literally cease to exist, perish, be cast out of heaven, but have eternal life. Eternal life comes through Christ. Amen? Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And then he says, come unto me, all your heavy laden. Think about that. How can we come to a God like that? You can't come unless we have reverence for God. We respect God because of his love, his mercy, and he's a just God. He does what's right. He's just. He is just in the fact that if you confess your sins before God, he's just in the fact that Jesus Christ died for those sins and he would not be just punishing you for something that somebody's already paid the price for. He was found guilty for our sake. He who had no sin was made sin for us. Why? So that we could become the righteousness of God. We are God's righteousness. How do you know it's God's righteous? Because he saved us who were sinners. He was seeking for us. We weren't seeking for him. He was looking for us. We weren't looking for him. He sent Jesus to seek and to save that which was lost. So it's the righteousness of God. God loving his enemies. That's what love is. Amen. The love of man. We love our brothers. We love our sisters, our mothers, our dads, our friends. But loving our enemies. Jesus preached on it in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6 and 7. Or chapter 5, 6 and 7 on the, of the uh, Sermon on the Mount. And he said, look, you've heard that you're supposed to, uh, uh, you know, love one another. But he said, I'm telling you, you need to love your enemies as well. Why? Because if you're the children of God, you'll be like God. If God fathers you, you will have his nature in you. How many of you ever heard, you're just like your dad? How many of you heard that? Okay. And it wasn't in a nice way, maybe. <laughs> Pick those socks up. Clean those dishes. No, and hopefully we're better husbands than that. Better, we, we aren't supposed to be babies. Men that get married and still have their wives pick up their underwear and their, and their clothes and leave their dishes dirty and so forth and so on are little children in a man's body. And they've married a mother instead of a wife. 
I just got to straighten some things out here. Laziness does not come with. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Got to talk in tongues because I'm getting ready to die right here. <laughs> the Father wants us to know that He bids us to come. Not because he, he found us guilty, but because He wants to show us mercy. Jeremiah 29 11. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. What are they? Plans of eternal life, right? Josh, what's it say in the Old Testament? It says, choose you this day, I lay before you life or death. Choose life. Why? God says, my will for you is to, that you'll live forever with me, eternally. I never created man to die. I created man to live forever. But the devil come to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's what happened. And so people, rather than drawing near to God, if you look in Genesis, it says that when Adam sinned, what did he do? What'd they do? What'd he say? He just said, he hid himself. Somebody said, God didn't hide him. God did not hide him. He hid himself. Why? Because he was guilty. He knew he had done wrong. And he, had God ever done it? Kevin, you're a Bible professor at Lincoln College once in a while. <laughs> and I don't mean to, you know, I know that he's humble because it always makes people go, ooh. And he'd be the first one to tell you, hey, I don't know everything. Amen? He'd be the first one to tell you that. But I'm saying this, to, this is a simple fact. But when, had he ever seen, had, had Adam ever seen God do anything wicked or evil? Had he ever seen the wrath of God? Had he ever seen the judgment of God poured out? Did he kill any animals? Did he kill any, uh, everything lived. There was no, there was no, there was no earthquakes, there were no, uh, volcanoes, there was no, there was nothing. Adam had never seen the wrath of God. He'd never seen the justice of God being carried out. Thou shalt be condemned unto death. He'd never seen that. Didn't even know that God was capable of doing that. Why? Because all he saw was things that were good and perfect and pure. Think upon these things. What did, Phil, what did Peter say? Or uh, Paul say? Think upon these things. The things that are good. The things that are pure. If there's anything that's virtuous or praiseworthy. If there's any good report at all. Think on these things. Why? Because that's God. Amen. And he was saying, if you've seen these things in me, I want you to do the same things that are like God. Those are the things that imitate God. The other stuff that you see going, that ain't like Jesus. Then just write it off. That's not what you want to do. <laughs> Amen. Of course, Jesus came. We do know that he drove the money changers out of the temple and did some things because he was angry that they were keeping people away from the presence of God by demanding some kind of cost. You, you got to buy a pigeon dove. You got to buy a lamb. You got to do this. And they would not allow them to come and even have the priest cleanse them through the law until they paid some price for it. They were manipulating God's people and turning God's mercy into a bankroll. That's why he kicked over the money tables. That's why he chased out the money changers. He said, you've made my father's house. What did he say? The father's house is supposed to be what? Supposed to be a what? House of prayer. House of prayer. I'm, gonna go, I'm not giving you a lot of scripture now because I expect you just, you've read your Bibles. If you don't read your Bibles, you can be deceived easily. Don't get lazy. You may lose out. Read your Bible. If you can't read today, there's no reason you can go on the internet and find it. You can have somebody read it to you. I, I'm saying that the word of God will bring life, okay? So uh, let me see. Now, I, I jumped off the trail there for a second. 
Uh, okay, so I- anyway, he's thinking upon these things, the things are good and pure, perfect, so forth and so on. So then we come back, and so Adam had sinned. I'll just skip where I was going. I'll just drop it. Go back to Adam. Hallelujah. Adam hid himself. Hid himself. They didn't even know they were naked. Adam, he did not even know they were naked. They had no, they were innocent. They were just innocent like little babies. How many of you ever had little babies, you let them run around, they're running around like they came in their birthday suit, and they don't go around going like this? They just walk out and go, hello, I'm here! <laughs> right? They have no, no shame. I mean, Rusty, I'm going to tell you something, when Rusty was two or three, we didn't dare take him anywhere. One time we lost him in the bowling alley. We was bowling. It was my turn to bowl. And Lynn was watching. All of a sudden we hear everybody just laughing, cracking up. And we look at the end of the bowling alley. And people are just like the wave in, in, in the Cardinals game. <laughs> and we look and here comes Jonathan. He went, or Rusty. He went all the way down the end. Took every stitch of clothing off. And two years old said, I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. And he's running around and jumping on the table. And everybody thought, how many of you know that that doesn't happen now? <laughs> They say, oh, my God, have mercy on me. So, but the point is, is God calls us to come into his presence. Sin caused Adam to fear God with an unhealthy, well, it's not unhealthy because God, but God is so loving and kind and merciful, he didn't say, he didn't say, shame on you, Adam. He said, what have you done to yourself, basically? Why, where are you at, Adam? How many of you know God knew where he was? He, he knew where he was. He knew where he was. He wanted Adam to realize where he was. He said, you, you've, you've, separ- you've been separated from me. You're, you're, our fellowship has been infected. It, it, it's, you know, you don't have the same. You used to come to me every morning. Every morning, Adam, you came to me, you and Eve. And remember, I'd come and talk with you in the cool of the evening and say, how was your day? And I don't know what all they talked about. I know he brought me. I said, what are you going to call that? Elephant. I mean, he, like a little kid. Whatever he called it. Adam's, whatever God, whatever Adam called it, it says the Bible said that's its name. God says that's its name. He was co-joined, he was co-partnering with his son. Jesus said, I must be about my father's, that's why, because he was in partnership with his father. And you and I are supposed to be called into partnership with the father. That's the reason why you're supposed to live the way you're supposed to live, love the way you're supposed to love. That's the reason why we're supposed to come into his presence, because we need to find out what the father's will is. He's the CEO. We just... We're partners with the Lord, but we need to seek the Father's face. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Why? So that we can do the Father's will. That's what the whole point is. Everybody said relationship. So he says to Adam and Eve, where are you? He said, well, we, we hid ourselves. Why would you hid yourself yourself for in the bushes? Well, because we were naked. And then they tried to cover it up with what? A work of the flesh. We found something that God created. We just put it on and say, now we're okay. No, you're not okay because you're still hiding. You see what I'm saying? And so what we want to do is we want to get rid of the sin. The only way to get rid of the sin is for Jesus Christ to die for the sin, and you don't need the fig leaf anymore. Isn't that sin? Why? Because he clothes us in righteousness. He clothes me in righteousness. Can I just go ahead with this? I know I'm messing a lot of people up because when he's going to start with the Scripture. I've been preaching Scripture since I got up here. You need to just listen. Jesus, if you turn to Isaiah 61, 1 through 14, they didn't have numbers back then. Right. Chapters had never been numbered. Verses had never been numbered. We've gotten into a religious mindset that keeps us from hearing from the Holy Spirit because we go, wait a minute, you got to do it this way or we can't, you know, that's ridiculous. My sheep hear my voice. My voice, not the preacher's voice. 
If I'm preaching something that comes from the Holy Spirit, you'll hear his voice and you go, oh, something happened to me. When he said that, whew, Holy Spirit spoke to me through those words. So uh, we, we go ahead and he's, we're, we, uh, we're, we're, he takes sin out of the way and we're brought back into a right relationship with God. And uh, the, the Lord wants us to understand that he loves us and he wants us to draw near to him. He doesn't want us to be separated. He, want, he doesn't want to uh, see us driven away. He wants us to come near to him. And he's saying, Adam, what's the deal here? I used to come to you every morning. Remember when we spoke with you, when we spoke with each other? Remember when we sat down? You didn't have any fear of me. We fellowshiped together. One time we were in Bible study, Helen, at your house years and years ago when we first had that Bible study at your house, and I was leading worship in a, with a guitar. I don't have, I don't know, maybe a dozen doesn't have chords or whatever. We're just singing simple songs and worshiping the Lord and. And, I, I, and we were trying to talk to people that were there that had never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, had never spoken in other tongues, uh, had any kind of spiritual supernatural experience other than faith coming into their hearts. I believe Jesus Christ is Lord and coming to Christ through salvation, for salvation through faith. And uh, I was trying to teach them. Some of them had come out of churches where you don't raise your hands, you don't make a whisper. You, uh, in other words, people got to poke you and say, are you still here? Are you still alive? You know. <laughs> When they get done, say, well, those two guys didn't leave when the congregation was, set, uh, was released, so maybe we should have called 911 or the coroner. It was kind of that type of thing. And so a lot of people are taught to not say anything. You don't say amen in the church. I do think you have to be aware of your surroundings. I mean, have you ever been to a restaurant where they got some kids screaming and hollering and yelling, carrying on, and, and it's just so loud you go, oh, my God, I wish they would control the kid. We've been given a spirit of self-control. And out of love, we control ourselves. Yes, I'm happy on the inside, but I'm not going to disrupt the whole thing unless the Holy Ghost heals me. And if I'm a blind man or a lame man and I get healed, then you might just have to excuse me. <laughs> Amen? Because I'm going to go jumping and leaping. And so anyway, we're, we're praising, worshiping the Lord. And I'm knowing God says, oh, I, 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 you know, we've been talking. I remember where we were at. We were talking about shout. The Bible says all these things that you think are fanatical. You call it Pentecostal. No, it's not Pentecostal. It, it's, it's, it's the kingdom of God. It says clap your hands into the Lord. Clap your hands to the Lord. How many of you, when somebody gets up and they do a great job singing, acting, uh, doing an acrobatic trick or a magic act, how many of you ever watch uh, uh, The Voice? How many of you, okay, three of you, don't, don't worry, I'm not going to, it's not sin, so it's okay. How many, of you, how many of you watch The Voice? How many of you ever watch America's Got Talent? All right, praise the Lord. And how many of you watch, and there's some show I don't really watch this dance thing now, you think you can dance or something like that. But the whole point is, when they do something what happens to the con- What happens out here if it's good, good act? Everybody say this. Just go ahead and do it. I just got through singing. Ah! Yeah. What are you doing? You're applauding my performance. This is why we clap our hands to the Lord. God demonstrated his love for us when Christ hung on the cross and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He demonstrated his love for us when he sent an angel to Mary to say that you're going to be with child today. And he impregnated her simply through the power of the Holy Spirit coming over her and her saying simply, Lord, have your way. And so the Holy Spirit birthed something in her that could not be born naturally. And we applaud that the angels came and applaud. This day is born to you in the city of David. You know, and the whole Christmas story. So, and we, ah, oh, the angels clap. Everybody. But when we come into church, we can't clap anymore because it's just disrespectful. It's irreverent. Let me tell you what it is, really is. It's really shameful. Now, I'm not saying that we, you can come in and you know you can clap your hands like that and be the devil. Just because you clap your hands doesn't mean you're worshiping the Lord. This is something out of your heart. You have to appreciate what God has done. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, praise you. Yeah. Thank you, God. All this, these songs that we sang, these are actually 
These are actually catalysts to cause people who would normally sit there to just finally get up on their feet and worship the Lord and tears running down their faces, loving God and, and being thankful. And maybe even just, yeah, I did this one time. Oh, yeah, I had to spin around one time. because Oh, I'm happy. Praise the Lord. You know, there, there's something that happens on the inside that makes you do something differently on the outside because you see him high and lifted up. Come on. That's, that's a church that's filled with power. Now, how many of you know you can fake all that? We can teach you to do everything I said. It says dance before the Lord. We can dance before the Lord. David did it. You don't dance. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. You're not on so you think you can dance. You're there to worship God. This in a sh- is a show. How many, of you, how many of you cry? How many of you laugh? How, how many of you uh, get, can get serious? Can get somber? Can be moved with uh, grief? And mourn. How many of you can do that? Everybody, right? Everybody just turn around and say, I think you're human. Just tell somebody that. All right? God became a human being and used all of his faculties to worship God. To wor- the man, Christ Jesus, worshiped the Father. Amen? The book of Psalms says that David was a man after God's own heart. Now, we know that he had sinned. How many of you know that he sinned? Okay, so this is what happens here. What are we looking at David for now, Pastor? Because he bids even people that have fallen to come back into relationship with him through faith in a God who loves and cares. says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Now, if I'm cleansed of all unrighteousness, I'm a, I, how many of you know if I go out here and I eat a sloppy joe or something, I got it all over sloppy jack, and I walk in, <laughs> if I walk into the restaurant, I might be a little bit self-conscious. I might be a little, unless I'm just kind of out of it and just don't really care. But you see, God takes the shame base away through the blood of Christ. Though your sins be as scarlet, I shall make them white as snow. God said, I got a stain remover. It's called the blood of Jesus. Praise the Lord. And by his stripes, I've been healed. I can come right out into his presence. I can walk with my head held high. I don't, I don't have any shame anymore. Do I remember that I was a sinner? Yes. But I remember that God's grace called me out of sin and into his everlasting life. I am blessed so I can worship the Lord. Well, I can, yes, I can be happy. I can praise the Lord. Now, and then there's times that you're going to actually feel the presence of God. I don't know about you, but when I was in auto mechanics back in school, I took auto mechanics in, in high school, and I was changing my own engine and doing all kinds of plugs and all that stuff. And one day I grabbed, did you know that a spark plug wire, a spark plug, in order for it to jump its gap, takes 20,000 volts? The only reason why it won't kill you is because the amps aren't high enough. I had a filling in my tooth, and I grabbed a hold of that wire and put that on it, and it, man, I let go of that thing real quick. Amen. God doesn't shock you. He may shake you out of your lethargy. He may shake you out of your apathy. He may even shake you out of sin. Now, what I was getting at earlier that I forgot was when they took the woman that was called. I know I'm not. You say, when are you going to give me a man? I'm my God in heaven. If you read your Bible, I gave you so much scripture right now. You can't be taking notes and keep up with me. I'm serious. See, Jesus was not accepted by his own because he came in another way. Yeah, get rid of your ways and begin to say, my ways are not your ways. They're past finding out. I'm doing this on purpose. I'm doing this on purpose to show us how much religiosity we've got, how much tradition we have that we worship the tradition rather than the truth. 
Well, I've learned that the pastor's supposed to get. Yeah, I know. They had overheads back in the day. <laughs> Jesus had an overhead thing. He came, the angels go, wait a minute, what'd you say? <laughs> the light was there. And the first point is, and then they had a show, uh, they had a smoke machine. <laughs> oh my God, the PowerPoints were phenomenal. PowerPoint. Jesus was born of a virgin. PowerPoint. Emmanuel, God with us. PowerPoint. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. He cast out demons. PowerPoint. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. PowerPoint. If any man be in Christ, oh, amen. The old things pass away, and old things become new. PowerPoint. <laughs> Book of Revelations and the heavens and the earth melt away with a fervent heat. PowerPoint. Behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me in my hand. PowerPoint. No, we got to be able to see it. I'm sorry. We're, you know, we're, we're a new virtual. We're a virtual society. Visual. You have bought into the lie of the world. Because you go to Ethiopia, you have none of those things. You go to Syria today, you have none of those things. If you don't come in the power of the Holy Ghost, you don't have a PowerPoint, and you aren't a PowerPoint. Come on. We got to get back to the stuff that works, church. And, and, and the only thing that works is the Bible says in Philippians that it's God that works in me and in you, both to will and to do it in pleasure. So, back to my point. They bring this adulterous woman, they throw her, they, a religious guy, so they did say that. If you see a woman and a man committing uh, uh, intimacy and they're not married, said so you're, you're supposed to stone them both. But they only bring the woman. That's religion. That's the hypocrisy. They only bring the woman. Still like that overseas. Still like that overseas in some parts of the country. Isn't this something that some religions make women walk behind me seven steps? Jesus says, walk beside me. His bride gets to walk right beside him. He said, lo, I am with you. I'm not in front of you. Lo, I am with you. What? Always. Why? Because you're my bride. This is heavy stuff, church. It is awesome. And I'll tell you why it's awesome. Not because I thought of it, because the Holy Spirit just spoke it to me. The truth sets people free. Jesus didn't come to put people in bondage. He came to set people free from bondage. He whom the Son sets free is what? Free, free indeed. Woo. Some of you don't come for prayer after service because you're still under condemnation and bondage. Confess your faults one to another. You mean I'm supposed to open up? Yeah, confess your faults one to another. Amen. Or if you sin, if we have sins, it says confess them and God is faithful and just to forgive them. You see, he says confess them. Adam, just tell me what you've done. Okay, the blood. Now, Adam, that doesn't mean go back and do this all over again. That's called insanity. Doing the same thing over again, expecting a different result is insanity. Hey, can I run just a little bit? I just feel happy. I want to skip and do all kinds of stuff, man. Because the truth will set you free. It liberates you. Hallelujah. It not only liberates you, church, but it empowers you. Think about this. They come, they throw the woman, the adulterous woman, they throw her down at the feet of Jesus. And then those religious teachers go, okay, the law says you're supposed to stone her. We found her right in the midst of adultery. Well, that means you should be able to catch the guy too, you bunch of chicken-livered, spineless, hypocritical, self-righteous. 
Chicken livered. Yeah, that's a new one, isn't it? I come up with a new word the other day, uh, thinking through this stuff, and I came up with one. I'm going to put it in the dictionary. It's called scumbaggery. <laughs> Every time something comes across the news now that it meets that, I say, scumbaggery! <laughs> what is scumbaggery? Right there, you just heard it. You saw it right here on Fox News or whatever it is. Anyway, so they throw her before his feet. The law says we're supposed to stone her. Oh, I love this because now everybody say with me, his name was called Emmanuel. Which means what? God with us. So they're looking at God with them inside the man, Christ Jesus, and they ask him, what do you say? Do you know there's people do that? I don't care what God says. This is the way I feel about it. Well, that might mean that to you, but to me it means... No, it's not good. I'm good. We're getting somewhere, actually. <clears throat> if you, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to break that little baby. Oh, that was a grown man. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not supposed to get down from here unless I tell you first. So they're trying to. If someone, but ushers, you bring some chains here and some glue for my feet. I promise I'll stay right here. Anyway, what do you say? What's Jesus do? What's he do? Now, we don't know what he wrote. I think he might have wrote down dates. Thou shalt not commit adultery, John. And he wrote this. Uh, Thou shalt not steal, Frank. Thou shalt not bear a false witness, Sarah. Or, well, there were no women there. All men. Isn't that something? The people he's accusing are men. Maybe some of our marital problems, guys, lay with us and not our wives. That got really quiet. <laughs> Ushers, if you'd be looking for people, if there's any clinking going, sounds like rock on rock, if you just please let me know, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> and I think it's with everybody. It's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. There's an old song like that. The Bible tells us we're supposed to examine ourselves first to see if we're in the faith. Are you functioning the way you're supposed to be functioning before you point your finger at somebody else? Are you handling the Almost said a word there that's not really conducive to church language. Uh, all the stuff. All the crud. <laughs> yeah, you knew where I was going. Shame on you for thinking about it. <laughs> I wasn't going to say the word you think I'm going to say. But there are, there's other words that replace that. I might as well just wait till the laughter runs down because it's going gonna, it's gonna to be there for a while. Anyway, of all that stuff, you see, we just need to get rid of that in our own life. We're so quick to judge others. I, I'm so quick to judge others. I'm so quick to find fault with others that are doing things that I do the same thing in different ways. Right? <laughs> Gosh. I mean, thank God in heaven that Jesus said... Why callest thou me good? There's only one that's good. That's God. What's he saying? Well, you're not good enough to get into heaven. You can blow yourself up. You're not good enough to get into heaven. You can go out here and die in World War II uh, and just say, without the blood of Christ, all of your goodness, if you're not trusting in Christ, your faith is misplaced. 
or trust in God. So anyway, that's the point. So he says, where are your woman? Where he writes down all this stuff. I, I said, maybe he's doing what this is, quick to listen and slow to speak. He's actually going, ooh, I want to tell these turkeys off. Yeah. I really want to show them where their faults are. Instead, he goes, oh, Jesus, or God, help me. And he writes in the sand, thou shalt not. <laughs> oh, yeah, I better not say that. So anyway, he does all these things. But one by one, what happened was the Holy Spirit's conviction there came on these men. And one by one, they dropped their stones. Amen? And one by one, they dropped their stones. They couldn't accuse them because they knew they should themselves be stoned. They themselves could be judged. Judge not lest you what? Be judged. Actually, what Jesus did is cause those legalistic, self-righteous people to show mercy. Isn't that something? And withdraw the charge. And made them look at themselves and said, I'm not worthy to cast the stone. Caused humility to come into their hearts. Amen? And so sometimes being forced to be in the presence of God can bring a, a, a confession. It can bring a correction to your own soul. Because I was thinking about this when I was thinking about this particular scripture. Well, that is going to go fit in with what I want to say about drawing near to God. That woman was thrown. Yeah. And what did he say? He said, where are your accusers? Excuse me, guys. Where are your accusers? Where are your accusers? Now, here's, here's God in the flesh. He's the one that gave the words to Moses on Mount Sinai. Was it Mount Sinai? Was it, wasn't it? Mount Sinai? The law. And said, thou shalt... Thou shalt not. Thou shalt. He was the one who wrote all those things down. So don't give them to those guys. Okay? And here he is now looking at this woman in the face. A holy God inside a, a man, Christ Jesus, the mercy shield. And he's looking at, he's looking at her. And he said, where are your accusers? She said, I don't have any. And what did he say? Neither do I condemn you. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who's I? God in Christ. God in Christ, the I am inside a body that God spoke into existence by a willing woman who was willing to do his will, and God brought the word into the flesh by simply a person partnering with him in his purpose. Is anybody getting this? What can God do with you if you'd say, yes, Lord, here am I? Have your way in me, Lord. What could God do? To bring glory to his name if we could just ever surrender to his will, his plan, and his purpose. It's better than being a CEO of a company. It's better than becoming a billionaire. It's better than becoming president of the United States. It's better than becoming a great rock star or a rap star or a television person. All those things are going to die. When you die, now that stuff goes with you. I've never seen trophies inside a casket. Not one time. Never have I seen somebody covered with all of their achievements and their accolades and, the, oh, this letter from this CEO and that letter, and here's a letter from the president, and they stuff them in the casket and say, go in peace. They're gone. They leave all that here. And 50 years from now, unless they've really done something that would be worthy of historical writings, nobody even knows they were here. And, less, and, and worse than that, they don't even care. But God cares for you. While we were dead in our sins and dead in our trespasses, he did not forget you. I remember. Whew. What are you doing, Pastor? 
I'm trying to get us to understand, and I, and I feel like this is God sharing this through me because I'm understanding. I'm coming more and more to this, that God wants us to come into his presence and draw near to him. So he can show us things. Same things that I want to do this in your life, Drew. Jack, I need to correct this in your life. If you'll, if you'll just simply confess your fault to me and other people that you've got a problem in this area and just admit it that it's not Lynn's fault or Janice's fault or Ryan's fault and stop blaming everybody else for what you're doing. Yeah, I know I lost my temper, but that jerk come out in front of me and go almost cut me off, an idiot. Or whatever it is. And instead of you blaming your sin on somebody else. And man, I'll tell you. So the Lord's wanting us to come in without sin, without shame, and just confess your faults, acknowledge your sins, says, confess your faults one to another, pray for one another that you might be healed. James tells us that. Thank you, Lord. Everybody say God wants us to draw near to him. Sister uh, Tammy, if you, uh, yeah, how many of you feel the Holy Spirit here? I'm already feeling the Holy Spirit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a couple of scriptures, and I feel the Holy Spirit just tell me you need to move on. Because this, what this does is, listen, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, what happened? Remember the veil? It was 12, I've heard from anywhere from 12 inches to 18 inches thick. That's not a veil. That's a rug. That's a wall. It is true. There's a wall of part, a wall. God has torn down the wall between us. There's scripture for that. It was a wall, and it actually had metal, gold, woven through it. How many of you try to tear? You can tear through a piece of cloth, but you can't tear through a piece of metal unless you're Samson or somebody. But anyway, and it was woven all the way through. And it was, I can't remember how many feet high, 18 feet high, 12 feet. It's huge. This is only 15 foot high. Now, can you imagine this coming all the way down, and it went all the way across in front of the Holy of Holies so that you couldn't get in there. Only the high priest could go in one time a year, sprinkle the blood of the lamb that was sacrificed for everybody. Everybody had to bring their own lamb. Everybody needs the blood of Jesus. You can't get in on mama's blood. You can't get on a papa's sacrifice. You've got, to, you've got to give this yourself. You've got to acknowledge the fact that God gave you the lamb of God. Abraham said, you know, Look, where's the lamb? Or Was it Isaac? He took Isaac up to, God said, give me your firstborn. What's he doing? He said, I'm trying to show you how much the father loves you. I did give up my firstborn. I raised him again from the dead. But Abraham, he, says, he said, Isaac, says, where's the lamb? I see the wood. Amen. I see the altar, but where's the lamb? And Abraham looks at Isaac and says, and, and this is the father speaking to the son. God shall supply himself a lamb. Behold, the Lamb of Jesus. God became the Lamb. And died for you, for me, in our place in order to save the world. Can anybody love like that but Jesus? But God. I think about all that. So, uh, I don't know where I was going with that. I'm sorry. I, I lost my track there for a second. But uh, anyway, we, God is wanting us to understand how much he loves us so that we can come into his presence. Everybody say, I'm invited. We sing it here about Lazarus. Jesus not only invited Lazarus, but he instructed Lazarus. 
He not only invited him, he instructed him. Him, uh, what's the word? Compelled him. Amen? He gave him an imperative, a must-do commandment. And it was out of the love of the Father. It was the desire of God wanting life to come forth. Death wasn't his Death was not his final wish. Life was there. And Jesus came to take on death so that you and I could have the way out of death through the resurrection. So what did he say? Lazarus, come forth. Come out here in the light. Come out, come out here where I'm at. I don't want you separated any longer. If, you're, if, you're, if you haven't believed in Jesus, when I say believe in Jesus, a lot of, the devil believes in Jesus, but he's not saved. Believing upon him to save you. Believing on him to work in you and out of you the things that need to be worked in you and the things that need to be worked out of you. It's believing upon Jesus to change you as you obey him and follow him. Willingly. Where's he going to take you? you? You cannot be my disciples unless you do what? Deny yourself. First step. You have to deny yourself. That means you can't be Lord and me be Lord at the same time. So many Christians sitting in church that never have it really, they profess lordship, but they don't practice lordship. Probably all of us have been in that state sometime or another. I know I have. Amen? I said this last week, have you really surrendered your will to God when you said, Lord, here am I, send me? Are you really mean that? You say, well, God, I, you know, will you say I'll go anywhere you want me to go, do anything you want me to do, say anything you want me to say? And we say, except for... Or in these situations, but not in this situation. You see what I'm saying? We say, no, Lord, I give you my what? My will. Give you my life. So, think about that. He says, come. Come forth, Lazarus. In Isaiah, he says, come unto these waters and drink. Amen? He says in the New Testament, come unto me, all you that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest from your own labors of trying to be good enough, trying to be holy enough. Keep all the religious rules. Let me do the work for you. Let me do the work in you. What do you mean by that? Cast your cares over on me. The things that you are anxious about, worried about, concerned about, roll them over on me. I can't do that. What do you think these stripes are for? By my stripes you were healed. Can't you roll your sin over on me? Oh, my God, I can't do that. Oh, maybe if you did, you'd love him even more when you realize that he took those sins Willingly, and you had to give him your sin so he could give you his salvation. See, God wants us to know him better. When we know him better, we want to hang around with him more. Praise the Lord. Give me that scripture if you would, Sister Kath, uh, Tammy. Thank you. You were almost Kathy today, but I'll leave you as Tammy. Give me that one scripture. Give them both to me, actually. I want, we're going to read this and I'm going to end. Hallelujah. No, no, go back to the other. Is it, did I give you Hebrews first or give you Acts first? Let's go to Acts first and then we'll, then we'll come back. I'm sorry. Uh, go back to Hebrews. I'll do it that way. I'll give you the Acts verse in a minute here. It's Acts. Uh, I'll tell you where it's at. I think it's Acts 10. I'm not sure. It's where they separate Paul and Barnabas. Is it Acts 8? Acts, no, it's not Acts 8. Anyway, uh, go, uh, let's go to this one, Hebrews 10. Uh, okay. Let's go up, back up. Let's just go up to 10.1 and we'll read down, okay? 10.1. Okay. The law, 
is only a shadow of the good things that are coming. Everybody say it's not the real, it wasn't the real thing. See, when I come in with a shadow of a brand new Mercedes Benz, would any of you get would you ever any of you get excited about the shadow? No, no you, you get excited about what's coming. The Old Testament is supposed to get us excited about what God's going to do. It's simply a shadow of the things that are coming. And so he says, the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming. Everybody say, they are coming. coming. Not the real realities themselves. This is the NIV version. And for those of you that are reading a different version, I hardly ever do it. This is my mom's Bible. It was one of the Bibles that I bought her or somebody bought her. I have several that I try to get her to get one she can understand. Uh, Anyway, it says, and it was NIV and I've been reading in it and I felt good about it. It says, "The, the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming. Not the realities themselves. Everybody say, Jesus is the real deal. He was the reality of what God was going to do to take sin out of your life. He's the reality of what it takes to come into his presence without condemnation. And instead coming in with confidence. Boldly. Hallelujah. The law is is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices, in other words, a turtle dove, a a bull, or any of the things that were offered in the Old Testament, whether it was a grain offering or whether it was an animal offering. For this reason, it can never, the law, can never, by the same sacrifices, repeated endlessly, year after year after year. They just kept doing it every year. had to do it all over again. Make perfect. Everybody say mature. The word perfect there means make you holy. It can never make you what God made you in his image. It can never make you the way that God, that you were supposed to be when he created Adam. Adam was without sin until he sinned. He said, you can't go back and be that without the, with, the, with these things. Making, make perfect of those who draw what? Now they draw near to do what? Worship. When we come in here, God forbid people that I've heard say this, and I'm, if you're one of these people, uh, please don't take this wrong, but that is such a, an un, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uneducated, and uh, th- this is what I'm going to say, is such an uneducated and blindness, lacking wisdom, knowledge, understanding, education about what's really here, and I've people have done the, uh, this, that when we come in here, and this is not just Sunday morning. How many of you know worship is something you're supposed to do every day? The Bible says that in John 3, the Father seeketh such to do what? To worship Him in spirit and truth. You're supposed to do that just on Sunday morning? No, it's supposed to do that every day of our life. Enoch walked with God 365 years. That's one year for every day that, of our year. Every day of the year we're supposed to be fellowship with God. Enoch went out one day. Why? Because he went out every day to meet with the Lord to draw near, and one day he got so near to God, guess what? He was not. God said, come on up here with me, son. And he picked him up, put him on his lap, and he's no longer here. Pretty powerful. That's the rapture. When Jesus does come back, those that are worshipers, true worshipers, they're going to go with Jesus. Hallelujah. Okay. For this reason, it can never be your Make perfect, make holy, make people, conform them into the image they're supposed to be created in. Make perfect those who draw near to worship. They were drawing near to worship God. That was the reason why they were doing it. Now, there's a whole lot of teachings on that I won't go into right now. But they drew near to worship. 
The whole congregation was supposed to come together and worship. When they come around Mount Sinai, they were supposed to come together and worship. And we are called to come together and worship. God didn't say, I'm going to call you, you, and you, and you. Just go out. You don't have to come together. Jesus came to make a body, and they're not laying over like some mansum killer, separated everybody, cut your fingers off, toes off, and threw them over here and threw them over there. So, well, we're still the body. Yeah, you're still the body, but you're disconnected. And if you're disconnected, you're unfunctional. You're non-functional. Drew, you're a shot put state championship or wherever you were. Did you make state? You were, you were way up there, man. Hallelujah. I'd get you like this, but you crush my knuckles. Just give you, a, give you a high five from here and a, and a knuckles from here and save mine. But how many of you know if you took one of those legs off and didn't replace it with some kind of a false appendage, you could not be the state champion shot put person. If you take an arm off that you throw it, the body is supposed to come together. Now, he's still a human being, but he's not what he's supposed to be until he gets there. Now, when I say that, physically, he's not what he, what he should. Naturally, we say you need 10 fingers, 10 toes. It doesn't mean he's not a good person. We have lots of people that don't, they've lost their limbs and, and, and voice and their eyes and all kinds of stuff in war and so forth and so on. Of course, they're still a person. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. And they have great value, as much value as they ever had. That's not the point. The point that I'm trying to make is the body was created to come together and strengthen one another. Come on. You see? And, and there's this thing out there today that says, I don't need the body. I can just go to Panera's, and, and Panera's is great if you meet one. But don't let, that be, don't let that be the replacement for this. Because God has set some in the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and no, I do not believe, and I can prove to you that not everybody in the congregation is one of those five. It's the most ridiculous teaching I've ever heard. I've just bounced it off of a couple people that I know moving the Spirit. That's the most ridiculous, and it's a destructive teaching that says you don't need apostles. Well, you're the apostle, you're the prophet, you're the evangelist, Jesus is in you, and he was all those, so you don't need anybody. It's a destructive thought. And Hebrews brings it out that we are not supposed to those that forsake the gathering together of ourselves, but even more so as we see the days approaching. Come on. Sometimes we run across stumbling blocks in the middle of the road just trying to get truth through to people because they want to fight for their tradition or their own beliefs rather than submit themselves to God. All right. For this reason, it can never by the time make perfect those who are drawn near to do what? Again, draw near to worship. We draw near to God to worship. Now, if you draw near to God to worship, how many of you can't draw near to God to worship if you're in fear? How do you do that? Well, we come to God in and, and, and praise and worship. We do that in praise. And praise has to come from the heart. The Bible says in the Old Testament, I'm not going to go there because we don't have the time to do it. Uh, he says, these are those people that draw near to me with their mouths, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Worship that God is looking for is sincere love, sincere faith. I love God because he saved me. He loved me first and gave himself for me so that I could become a, body, a part of the body of Christ. He accepted me as, the, as one of his beloved and brought me into the Father's house and made me a child of God. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, I believe it is, says if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away and all things become new. Amen. You're a new creature in Christ. That's why Jesus was raised on the eighth day. It was the whole, a beginning of a whole new race. It's called the sons of God. The children of God. It's a new creation. It began with Jesus, the firstborn of many brethren. You can read this. If you read your Bible, just read it in the New Testament. Amen. Well, I don't have time to read. Oh, so you're worshiping something else. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. First, 
And then all these other things. Well, I've got to make a living. I've got to do this. I gotta do. Yeah, you do. But when it pushes Jesus off the throne and makes your job the ruler of your life, unless you're under Egypt that's forcing you to build pyramids with bricks that don't need straw or, and you don't have any straw, unless something uh, uh, beyond your control is pulling you away from God, you have chosen to put something else as the Lord of your life. Well, it's my financial goals. Had somebody say to me this past week, well, we got our financial goals, uh, and we're looking at those things, and those things are, have become destroyed. And we don't, I said, well, wait, wait a minute. Your financial goals has nothing to do with what the Bible tells us to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. has nothing to do with your happiness. We see people every day that make millions of dollars that are committed suicide in their 20s, in their teens. It's great to have money, but if the money has you, you are in bondage. You are already a slave. Come on. And if it keeps you out of heaven, what did Jesus say? Uh, man, he said, uh, if a man wins the whole world and loses his soul, what good is it? Okay, now, so go, go, go with me to Hebrews. Uh, again, let me just read down through here. I'm going to read the ones I want, okay? Uh, Hebrews chapter uh, 10. The law is only a shadow of good things that are coming, not the realities themselves for this reason. I already read that. In verse 2, if it could, would they not have stopped being offered for the worshipers would have been cleansed. The worshipers want, would have been cleansed. This is the NIV version. Once and for all. Once for all. Cleansed. Washed by the water of his word. Jesus is the word and the word that Jesus came. The word that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that all our sins have been taken away. And whosoever comes to God through faith in Christ can be saved. That's what cleanses us. It cleanses our conscience. And would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. What I've been talking to you about. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. Because it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. A body. And he's talking about Jesus, the man, the son of God. Amen. Uh, flesh and bone. And the fullness of God, all that was God and all that is of God is, is in, was in Christ. Sacrifice and offering you did, uh, you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. You were not pleased with man's offerings. Then I said, here am I, it is written about me in the scroll. In other words, the Old Testament preached about Jesus. And it wrote that he was coming. He came to his own, his own received him not. John chapter 1. But to as many as did receive him as what? Their Messiah, their Savior, the sent one, the anointed one that they were waiting on, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Lamb of God that was sent to take away the sins of the world. They were waiting for him, but yet when he came, they did not recognize him and neither did they worship him. Amen. But God shut them up in unbelief so that you and I who are not Jews could become born again and become those that are worshipers of Jehovah. Then I said, here am I, it's written about me in the scroll. I, I have come to do your will, O God. The man, Christ Jesus, he came to do God's will. Now look at this. First he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire. Nor were you pleased with them, although the law required them to be made. Then he said, here am I. I have come to do your will. So he sets aside the first in order to establish the second. And by that second will, is what he's saying, by that will, the second will. It's a talk about the will and testament. It's the will and testament. If I died today, if I didn't have a will, they could, people could just do whatever they wanted. But, you know, but if I have a will, it says everything I got goes to Lynn, and my house goes here, and this goes there, and, or our house, does, you see, I make a will. 
God made a will. He says, now by the second will, he says, by that will we have been made holy. Look at somebody said, if you're born again, do you realize you've been made holy? Amen. You've been made holy. Don, you've been made holy. You have been made holy. I have been made holy. Me? Paul said, there's no good thing in my flesh. How can I be holy? Because God, in his mercy and in his wisdom, sent Christ to take away the sin, cast your sins into the sea of forgetfulness, and make you holy. So stop trying to be holy and just accept that you are holy and then walk as one who's been made holy with thanksgiving, with praise, with worship. When you come in here, you need to worship God. Praise the Lord. You don't need any fig leaves. Praise God. You don't have to be covered. You are covered with the blood of Jesus. You have been set free from condemnation. You are invited in. You are instructed to come in. You are being uh, compelled to come in and worship the Lord. PowerPoint. I don't know who said it, but true. Amen. All right. <laughs> okay. Pam, if you come, uh, just to make sure that I remember, I'm supposed to be quitting. Okay. Hallelujah. Day after day, everybody, let's just jump over that one. Verse 15. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this, that our sins are taken away. Well, no, we need you to go to 14. Verse 14. Can you go to 14? Because by one sacrifice. Everybody say, by one. Everybody say, this, you got to capitalize this. B-Y, by one sacrifice. This is how God made you holy. He's already made you holy by a sacrifice that's predetermined that he made. Now, I feel sorry for these people that are blowing themselves up. I, I really do. Because they think by that sacrifice, they're going to be made holy. Sinners cannot die for themselves. Jesus became sin. He was cursed for us to remove the curse. Think about that. Whoever hangs on a cross, the Bible says he's cursed. He was cursed for us. This is the covenant that I will, everybody say, I will make. Oh, excuse me. I mean, okay, because by one sacrifice he was made, he has made perfect or mature, mature or brought to the perfect. He has already by him brought you to a place of perfection in what he created you to be. Does that make sense? In other words, I know the plans for you that I have, says the Lord, they're plans of hope. And, and are, are plan, they're, they're good and not evil plans to give you a hope and a future the hope is that we are going to be like him when he comes turn around and tell somebody say God's will is that you be like him but you're not there yet just tell it Amen. so I don't want anybody to get to uh, don't go home and say I told you the pastor said I was perfect I've been trying to tell you that for years <laughs> not true you're in a state of perfection by grace ha but you're not what you need to be yet in reality. You're going to be like him when he comes. We're going to be exactly like him when he comes. Oh, my lands, to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus, that old hymn says. Who? Because by one sacrifice, he has, everybody say he has, made perfect forever those who are being made. Everybody say beings. 
being made. Everybody just look at somebody and say, we're in process. We're in process. All right? But we also, Ephesians 3.20 tells us that we, that we, uh, uh, let me see. He is able to do all, th- no, 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 that's not it. Exceedingly abundantly of all that. He could, what, what's that say? Somebody give me the scripture, the first part of it. I don't want to turn to it. Ephesians 3.20, let me turn to it. Because <laughs> nobody's, nobody's, uh, uh, nobody's uh, shouting us out yet. What is it? I, I got part of it. 320. Okay, there it is. Now unto him that is able. I'm sorry, that is in tongues and I repent. It means praise the Lord, glory to God. He does all things well. Okay, now unto him that is able. How many of you got this emoji thing on your phone? Got emojis? How many of you got seen an emoji that goes like this? Unto him that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above everything, all that we collectively could ever ask or think according to the power. If you don't have, if you haven't received the Holy Ghost since you believe, you need to come let us lay hands on you. You need to receive the Holy Ghost just like they did in the book of Acts. You'll speak with other tongues as the Holy Spirit gives you the utterance. He does that. It's God that does the work. All we do is simply yield our will according to the power that does what? Worketh. Remember what Brother Sykes told us here a couple weeks? I've known that forever. I didn't know that people didn't know it. Worketh. The ETH means continually and it never ceases to work. According to the power that is working in us, that did work in us to bring us to, to bring us to salvation, bring us to repentance, bring us to faith, and now it's bringing us into his glorious image, adding virtue and knowledge and patience and faith. It, it, God is the one that's doing it. It's God producing the fruit of his spirit in me. The good one reaching in the one who's been made good because of his grace. He's doing a good work in me. I'm praying, Father, that you will open the understanding of your people to where they get this down in here. This is not an intellectual thing. This is revelation. I can stand up and teach this all day, but until God opens your understanding and my understanding, we can't comprehend it. And if we can't comprehend it, we can't grasp it. If we can't grasp it, we can't really, really benefit from it the way that we need to. According to the power that worketh within us. Praise be unto God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe we'll go to the next part that I had in Acts later. How many of you say, I think I've got enough? It's okay. I think you got enough. The Holy Spirit is here to teach us. The Holy Spirit is here to lead us and guide us into all truth. Why? Because as we walk in all truth, we become liberated. And Brother Ryan, we become powerful. We become lights that we're supposed to be, salt that we're supposed to be, effectual, amen, fervent praying people to see the glory. How do you worship the Lord? First of all, say surrender. I simply surrender to His work. It's impossible to please God without faith. For he that comes to God must first of all believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently what? Seek who? Seek what? Him. I'm talking about drawing near to God. You can't draw near to God unless you're drawing near to him. It's him that we're wanting to get in contact with on Sunday morning. He abides in me, but I'm here to worship him. I'm here to worship him. I'm here to offer up sacrifices of praise. I'm here to offer up sacrifices of of a living sacrifice, forgiving those that have sinned against me. Amen. Confessing my faults one to another, praying for one another. That's ministry. It's not ministry from the pulpit. It's ministry from, from you and me. It's just ministry. Ministry to the Lord. Would you stand with me? 
Now I know the Holy Spirit has talked to people here today. The question is, is have you heard what he's saying? Can you rejoice? See, no, no one should be under condemnation at this point. Unless you're living in sin. If you're living in sin, the Holy Spirit does come to convict to get you to or convince you that what you're doing is sinful and to convince you that that's not who you are so to repent and come back to God rejoicing and just simply confess your fault if you lie don't be ignorant and say I'm not a sinner you just lie you are a sinner if you thought a bad thought about me you are a sinner if you just say God I'm not going to do that you are a sinner sin is disobedience towards God When he says confess your sins to one another, confess your faults to one another, if, if we sin, God is faithful and just to forgive us. He's writing to the church. If you can't sin, he wouldn't even put that verse in there. You're not a sinner by the Holy Spirit's nature, but your flesh nature will get a hold of you if you don't. But Paul said, I crucify my flesh daily. What's he saying? I don't let it have its way because it's going to take me into sin. I look to Jesus. I worship him. I praise the Lord. And he brings me into the presence of God. And I find that exceedingly abundantly power working in me to be just what he wants me to be. Would you bow your heads with me? And I want you to pray this. Say, Holy Spirit, speak to my heart. Let me hear what you're saying to me. Let me be liberated. If I'm already there, help me to liberate somebody else. Help me to never forget where I came from. Help me to never forget what it cost to not only find me, but to deliver me. Help me, Lord, to be merciful. Help me be loving. Help me be kind. Help me to worship you. Help me to draw near to you with thanksgiving, with praise, with adoration, with love in my heart because of all that you are and all that you do for me, in me through me and in the world and around the world. Thank you, Lord, that God is good and His mercy endures forever. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Can you just give Him praise today? Can you clap His hands? Clap your hands to the Lord. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Amen. Lord, we submit ourselves to God and we resist the devil in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Ghost because of your grace and your mercy through faith in Christ and Christ alone. We worship you, O faithful God. We worship you, O merciful God. We worship you, O loving Father. We worship you, O God. Oh, a loving God, a giving Father. Blessed is the name of the Lord. Blessed is the name of the Lord. Oh, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Lord God Almighty, we worship you and praise you in Jesus' name. Is there anything you need from God? Anything you desire, you hunger and thirst for? The Bible says, come. Come to these wells. The Bible says, ask. Amen. Seek and find in the name of the Lord. Knock and you'll find in the name of Jesus. The Lord bless you. Amen. You can come to these altars. I do believe there's something magic about altars. What is it? I believe it's your will stepping out of the place that you're in that your flesh doesn't want you to step away from so you can go out, save faith, get back into some carnal thing that if you die 15 minutes from now, everything you thought you had to get to doesn't even matter. But eternity matters. And if it's nothing else, it's just to stop by and say, like the, not, like the one leper that was healed out of the 10, nine of them just said, well, I'm on my way. But one of them said, I've got to go back. I've got to go say, thank you, Lord, for what you've done for me. I praise you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Once I was blind, now I see I was healed. 
by your stripes. Thank you, Father. Let's worship him. Amen. Let's worship him. And I release you to do what the Holy Spirit is calling you to do. Amen. Go and be blessed. Go and be fruitful. Go and be prosperous. Go in peace. Go in power. Go in his love, his mercy, by grace, through faith.